it's easy to have to, to sort of safeguard culture when it doesn't cost money, but when it conflicts business, if, if you, I mean, you have to fire the assholes and it doesn't matter where they are, who, how good they are. You have to sort of get rid of them. That's when you have to choose culture over, over money or over business. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, a podcast that brings you insights and tactics from the greatest SaaS minds across the world. The show is brought to you by SaaStock, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, returning to Dublin in October 15th to the 17th, 2018. I'm your host, Alex Sumer, and on this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I have a candid and honest chat with Chris Hall, the founder and CEO of Dutch marketing tech SaaS company, Binder. Founded in 2013 as a spin-off from Chris's web agency business, Binder bootstrapped through its first three years. In that time, Chris acted as a true entrepreneur and didn't shy away from anything. He wrote terms and conditions in Binder's first contracts, he set up design teams, and he sold the solution, amongst many other things. Binder bootstrapped its way to over 10 million ARR, but to seize its potential and grow, it needed venture funding. In August 2016, Binder announced a 20 million Series A round and Chris had to very quickly transition from the entrepreneur that fixed everything to the CEO that would let go and instead educate his people to handle issues and allow them to thrive. A year and a half later, Chris is focused on living up to the words he puts out as a CEO. Listen on to hear how to deal with things going wrong. I think the trick is to just uh, accept that stuff should go wrong and the success is about how quickly do you fix those those mistakes. How to get and keep the right people on the right seat on the bus. What we've been doing is is implementing sort of a growth circle so that not everybody has these expectations of, of being a manager. That's the only way up. What is the best and worst thing about being a CEO? Part of SaaS is stuff goes wrong and it goes wrong really quickly and, and all the, the problems that a regular company has they have like 20 or 30 years to solve that. We have maybe 20 or 30 weeks to solve them. I want to be able to look back at it that I also enjoyed it, right? It's, it's, it is an amazing adventure. And, and, and it's good to sort of step, step out and, and talk to other people and realize, yeah, it, you know, we, sure, we have our own, you know, we all have our challenges, but a lot of stuff is going really well. Before we get to my conversation with Chris, a quick reminder to drop a review for the SaaS Revolution show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. It makes a huge difference to us. We really appreciate it. Now on with the show. It's really great to have you on the, uh, uh, on the show today, Chris. Uh, who is Chris Hall? The easy one is I'm the, the founder and CEO of Binder. And we're um, a startup in uh, based in Amsterdam uh, with offices in London, Dubai, Barcelona, Rotterdam, and Boston. Okay. Um, and we're marketing tech software. So I think you've got a bit of a mixed accent there, but I, I, I detect mainly a British accent. Uh, so you're a Brit in uh, in in. Oh London. boy! Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah. So I have this weird um, this weird thing that uh, I I was born in England, lived in the US for a year, and then grew up here in Holland. I adapt my accent to. To the person I'm talking to, which I'm, so I'm sort of struggling not to switch to this awkward uh, Madonna-like British accent, but uh, it, let's let's. It, it, most people think it's Canadian, but it's not. It's not. It's not on purpose or anything. 
and, and Binder, like um, I guess for those that, that that are listening that have never heard of Binder, um, tell us a little bit about this uh, this company. Uh, what why you founded it? It started really. Um, we started as, as Label A, a development company, um, a web development company. So we built web apps and, and native apps and websites and sort of more complex stuff. In the early days, we did a lot of just quick and easy sort of HTML pages. Um, for fmcgs and, and they you know they had a lot of pictures and there was press releases and it was um it was a lot of manual work to basically get the right version of the right pictures and the right videos uh, to the right people and that's when we started developing our own tooling around that and that we started selling that to our customers and then in 2013 we sort of split that off and uh, into a new company uh, called Binder. that was back in 2013 and now uh, recently, uh, or last year, we did our big, uh, our first big funding round uh, with Insight Venture Partners, and um, um, yeah, we've seen incredible growth really uh, uh, over the last few years uh, in headcount. We're close to three hundred now. Well, revenue-wise, uh, last year before the the funding round, we hit ten million ARR, um, which is a big milestone. I think that mm-hmm. that you realize that with hindsight, that's a uh, it's a that's a, a pretty big milestone to to achieve, and um, that's a, a very difficult route to that because we were bootstrapped as well. But I guess after our post funding sets a new uh, sets some new challenges as well. Amazing growth, um, you, you know, in in the, the the couple of years since you you founded uh, uh, Binder. Why why did you decide to raise when you uh, when you did? Uh, it's a, a good question that. Um, You'll know when you're ready. <laughs> um, the the problems with uh, with with bootstrapping your 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 number one problem um, is cash. Your number two problem is cash, and your number three problem is cash. It's all about cash flow. And at a certain point, that really starts limiting potential and limiting growth. At a certain point, you um, you sort of realize that the next step is is to take on funding. And we waited as long as we could. Uh, we had some bridge loans with a uh, bank and that sort of got us through to a couple more quarters to, um, uh, to raise, to raise that round. Okay. So it's, it's, I wouldn't say there's sort of a, a certain point or, or some kind of formula when, you know, you should go for funding. But for us, it was the realization of, you know, this is, it's, you know, it's becoming a money problem. And if that is limiting growth, you're sort of, you know, you're limiting yourself as well. So it's it's more about you know if you can take on that money and grow a lot quicker, then it's worth it. Do you mind sharing how much you raised? I mean, I think it's public knowledge uh, anyway. It was uh, twenty million euros. Yeah. Okay, and and that's enabled when when you raised that. How many people were you? It was a hundred and twenty back then, okay. or one hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're and you're, you're three hundred plus now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so I, I we're we're close to three hundred. Uh, okay, okay. You know, this is your, uh, uh, if I'm correct, you know, your, your first SaaS company. So you're working in the, yeah. the, the the kind of agency before three years, three and a half years. You scaled this company from one, I guess, like your, yourself, yeah. uh, to to three hundred people, raise money, uh, doing great revenue. What I'm really interested in, uh, I think, for this particular sort of episode, is talking about. This journey for you as an entrepreneur, as a, as yeah. a CEO, you, you know the the highs and the the lows, right? You, you know yeah. what what have the challenges been? Just your experiences to kind of share that because we get a lot of founders listening. I think being a CEO, being a founder is is not easy, right? And being a founder of a scaling company that's grown so quickly, 
that's got to come with some uh, challenges, right? And a lot of experience learned. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a steep learning curve, and and that's a, that's a good um, description of all the highs and lows. You know, I always say without you know you can't have the highs without the lows. It's 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 supposed to be that way. There's a big difference between sort of being an entrepreneur, I think, and being a CEO. Up till until the the, the funding. Because we were bootstrapped, you sort of treat all the money. You f- you feel all the money going out as if it your it's your own money, right? It's your own cash. And, and when you buy stuff, when you're buying software or you're 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 making investments in I don't know, even chairs and furniture and stuff, you know, it feels too expensive. It, it feels like you're spending too much money when you should be investing in 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 good software and and, and good people. And um, I think the main difference what happened after funding is. Money doesn't feel like money anymore because it sort of shifts into metrics. I don't really see the the, the cost as as a as an amount of money. I see it as a as a metric, as a percentage. And mm-hmm. I think uh, you know it's good because yeah, at, at these kind of numbers, it, it, when it runs into the millions, you don't want to you, you want to be making sure you're not spending too much relatively to uh, to other metrics. And that gives, I guess, it, it allows you to really start doing business rather than just, uh, uh, you know, pinching every penny and, and, you know, it allows you to invest on a more longer term and, and really spend money where you need to. So that's, I guess that's a, a, a pretty big difference between sort of the starting time and the, the, also as an entrepreneur, you're involved with everything. I like to get involved with everything. I, um, I enjoy sitting with the design teams. I did all the sales. I didn't, you know, I basically done everything with the, the financing HR, you're super involved with everything. And then the trick probably of trying to be a CEO is letting that go, getting the right people on board to do a better job at that, at those individual um, uh, disciplines. And that is, you know, it's, it's out of reflex. You sort of want to get involved in everything because you, you, you think you see where it's going wrong and you think there's an easy fix. And then it's, you know, it's, it's easy to do it yourself or it's easier, but um, on the long term. You should probably spend more time investing in people to support them to do it. Teach uh, teach somebody how to fish rather than just uh, feeding them. That's a pretty big step. And if you don't do that, if you if you if you don't stop micromanaging or or trying to get involved with everything, that's going to catch up eventually. I, th- I think you co- you've covered some of it there, but like how um, in in some of the other ways, you know, has your role changed from you know being a bootstrap to now being somebody that's on the on the venture path? Well, for me personally, it's, it's, you know, it's still a really big challenge. Uh, um, and we were sort of, because we were bootstrapped, there's this sort of sense, oh, when that money comes in, all my worries are gone and, you know, we can relax. It, it, it brings a whole new set of challenges because um, money isn't an excuse anymore. So there's an interesting sort of stance that a VC can have is you're growing at this rate now. What happens if you add another ten million to that, or another ten million? Can you grow twice as fast? And that's and they're kind of right. We're like, if, if money isn't the excuse anymore, yeah, it's 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 a lot of other things that that have to be right. So it adds a lot more um, uh, to the plate, and it's it's yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a very steep learning curve as well because you're competing on a broader platform as well, or broader you know, on a global scale, and it's it's sort of weighing what others are doing or what, what the, the, the blogs and the books are saying you should do versus gut feeling. And that's what got us here, got us so far. Um, so when, you know, when do you start 
sort of following a more traditional corporate approach or, uh, and when you just keep on, uh, pushing like it, like it, as if it were a startup or a bootstrap company, that's really challenging. Um, and it's, it's very exciting, but it's, you know, it's a new set of challenges, uh, board meetings, um, just reporting uh, with metrics and you have to learn that by doing, I guess there's uh, there's no real way. I think that you, you can't really read in the book. I wish there was a book that just said, you know, this is what you all should do. But, uh, but having said that there is a lot more knowledge, more and more knowledge. I think that, that the SaaS industry in general or in Holland and like Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. happy to share experiences um, like these podcasts. I think that's, uh, there's more and more support. There's more and more uh, knowledge about SaaS companies. And when we started, nobody knows, knew what SaaS was. And uh, now it's sort of people understand now that the, the tech scene is is getting more and more robust. And it's not crazy money anymore. It's um, there's there are real valid. Uh, it's a real valid business model. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are. Um, you know, we're on the right, right, a lot of the right trends uh, in the market. SaaS is heating up, and um, you know we're trying to keep up with all our skill sets as well. Continuing the discussion about learning, um, so I mean, you mentioned learning by doing. How do you learn to be a better CEO? Is it through doing, and is it learning from your mistakes and getting feedback from your peers, your your colleagues? Um, and, and, and additionally, you, you mentioned about, you, you know, the SaaS community and books and podcasts <laughs> and whatnot. Do you have time as a, as a CEO of a scale-up, have time to, you, you know, listen to podcasts and, and read blog posts? Or? Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is I actually really enjoy um, hearing uh, other founders that have sort of gone through those same stages. And it's just really recognizable and it's it's a lot of the struggles are all the same. And I think um, that's sometimes it's nice to sort of see other, to have a look inside and see, you know, that part of SaaS is stuff goes wrong and it goes wrong really quickly. And, and all the, the problems that a regular company has, they have like 20 or 30 years to solve that. We have maybe 20 or 30 weeks to solve them because they just, they just rush. You have to encounter them. You have to tackle them very quickly that's part of the game as well. So it's, it's like pillars, right? That there's, there's the sales pillar, marketing, uh, finance, they all, you all have to sort of inch them up all the time. And, and that is, so there's stuff going wrong all the time. And I think the trick is to just, uh, accept that stuff sh- should go wrong. And the success is about how quickly do you fix those, those mistakes and adopt. And then, you know, in half a year, maybe, you have to fix it again because you've scaled along with that. And that if you're not seeing that as part of the fun, maybe you should, you should be in SaaS because it is, you know, you're focusing a lot on what, what's going wrong. You're putting fires out all over the place or seeing opportunity and, you know, improving uh, parts of the company. But it's good for me personally uh, to to have a look at other companies and see, uh, yeah, it's, we're doing quite, you know, we're doing really well, but you never sort of, realize that because our day-to-day business is is putting out fires basically or or you know the fixing stuff that isn't quite right yeah no absolutely and you 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 mentioned mistakes there right and everybody every company makes mistakes every every founder you know they make mistakes so and and it's a way that we can learn and you know improve things Um, are you you able to share a a particular mistake um, maybe that kind of like 
sticks out and, and how you learned from that and it, and it improved you as a, as a CEO and Binder as a business? One of the toughest things that at any stage is getting the right people or keeping the right people um, in the right seat in the bus, you know, and, and because it's changing so quickly, you know, somebody that is, you know, start as one of the sort of the first employees, they're not necessarily the best people to manage a team of hundred people or 50. And some of them are, and some of them, some of them aren't. So I think the sooner it's, it's really good to emphasize that at any stage that, that, people understand that that is the case. It's unrealistic to expect everybody to grow at that same pace. And I think if, if you can keep that in mind, especially during or, you know, pre round during clean, you have to clean up the cap table and, and just set expectations. That makes it a lot easier to move those, those people around. Otherwise it just, you know, you're, you're keeping people in place because it's, it's difficult to, uh, to shift them around or give them a different role. But actually, what we've been doing is is implementing sort of a growth circle, so that not everybody has these expectations of of being a manager. That's the only way up, uh, typically. Um, and we're trying to emphasize there are other ways to grow. You can be the the best programmer or the we call those the scientist roles. Um, so everybody has some different ways to grow into the company. Most difficult part, but that is the most important part as well, is putting people in, in positions that they can really excel uh, based on their skill set. The sooner you sort of prepare for that, the, the, the more flexibility you have in that and, and just managing expectations that, you know, just because you, you join now, consider looking at what you're really good at and try to grow into that role rather than just sort of the regular career path ladder and the only way is up and, and, and becoming senior management or VP or C-level. It's important to set those expectations. I think, uh, obviously, we could have done a better job at that, but it's something you run into. But that's the, that, that is the, the most difficult thing, I think, is, is, yeah, is scaling the team and making sure that they're in the right role. How much time do you spend on hiring? What is the rest of your time spent on? What does a, a week like, look like for, uh, for, for Chris Hall? I sort of, somehow, my, just my days get filled in with all kinds of discussions and, and, and quick meetings. And I, and I don't really follow a strict schedule that much because sometimes you just have an idea or something happens and it's best just to discuss that right away. Why wait until you have a meeting next week or why, ha- why plan a meeting? And if there's not really a priority there. Uh, so I'm, I'm a, a little bit messy there. Um, I, I should be spending more time on hiring, but I do spend a lot of time sort of diving into teams that I feel that we might have an opportunity and, and I enjoy sort of creating sort of mini projects that, that improve something like the product or design or, or a marketing idea and campaign. But I do do quite a, you know, quite a few interviews um, trying to see what the next hires are and also quite a lot of uh, discussions with other VCs and investors, other companies, partners. That takes up quite a bit of time as well. I'm slightly less involved with our, with our customers last year or a couple of years ago, I was involved in all the big deals and that's a lot less now. It's more and more, it's a, a people business and managing stakeholders. That sounds like a very grown up problem, like a very textbook example. I did study business administration for a couple of years. Yeah. Managing stakeholders is, um, is a pretty big part of the, of, of, of day-to-day business. You're just gearing up towards a board meeting and, and making sure the, the metrics are there. That's also a pretty big chunk of my, uh, of my time. I'm assuming studying business administration 
surely must have helped for the, uh, the the role of CEO, right? Which is effectively a lot of business ad, ad, admin, right? Nothing sexy. <laughs> well, I, I didn't. Fin- I, I dropped out, or I didn't finish it. Um, but it did. I, I guess it did help. It, it, a little bit of everything. There's legal in there. I, mean, I, I did our first contracts. I, I sort of wrote the terms and conditions. So it's sort of. It is good to have a little bit of. Um, basic knowledge about all those disciplines, about organizational structures, about HR, about financial accounting. Uh, so yeah, that did, that did help. What about Binders culture? So you've got 300 people kind of scattered across the globe. Um, I was lucky uh, enough that you guys uh, hosted SAS Stockholm Tour Amsterdam uh, this yep. summer. Uh, we came to your, your super cool offices. All of your employees look like really cool as well. They, they definitely seem to be this kind of almost like brand around the employees and a, and a culture and everybody was like super nice. Um, you know, h- how do you, uh, how important is culture? How do you influence it and maintain it as you scale? A lot has been said and done about culture and the, um, I, when, when we first started with Label A, it was like, well, you know, 10 people is sort of the max we can, we can manage this way, sort of this friendly, authentic way. Um, then it became 20, 50, 100. It, I think the important thing with culture is to realize it has to be authentic and people have to live, live up to it. Everybody, including leadership. We could have the, these guidelines that what we think we should be doing from a culture perspective, but if that's not lived up to, it's just, it's just fake. You know, you can... You you can put uh, 10 uh, foosball tables in, in, in the office. Uh, that doesn't improve culture. It doesn't really, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the makeup. So it's not, it's not something on a board level decision you can sort of decide, yeah, we need to in- improve our culture. It, it's, it's a little bit like, like love. If you start rationalizing that, it doesn't really work. It has to be, you know, you have to look up to it. And it also... I think that's what's happening with a lot of companies in, in the U.S. or like, like Uber. They have these, these policies. They say they have this culture where everybody's treated equally and, and it's not really lived up to because there was this instance where uh, one of their senior programmers was harassing and they, they got several complaints and the, basically the, the response was, well, yeah, he's way too good to, to fire or, or to do anything about. And I think that is when if you think culture is important – those are the moments you have to put your money where your mouth is. You have to, uh, it's easy to have to, to sort of safeguard culture when it doesn't cost money, but when it conflicts business, if, if you, I mean, you have to fire the assholes and it doesn't matter where they are, who, how good they are. You have to sort of get rid of them. That's when you have to choose culture over, over money or over business. Yeah. I think so it has to be authentic and you have to live up to it. I think that's the, that's the important part. It, it can't be fake and, and Otherwise, it's it sort of works against you. I think it's it's pretty easy. It just has to be real, and you have to it, realize it, it can cost money. That's when it really, you know, that's sort of proof. You know, if, if you if if you spend money deliberately on on things to to do them the right way according to your culture, I think that's a strong signal. Well, what's the best thing about being a CEO? It, it's it's the sense of achievement when when. When you see people join the company and, and you see them succeed, the teams, they, they start these new initiatives uh, and they're, they're a success and you sort of empower people to do that and, and they feel that sense of ownership and sense of pride when something works and when something gets the right traction and it, and it works out well, um, that's a huge rush. It's winning that game and sort of, for me, that's a, it's a big rush to sort of have ideas and, and execute them and, and and see that happening is, is, well, for me, that's the big part of the fun.
What about the hardest thing? The hardest thing I think is, it is a continuous struggle. There's always sort of something that, that needs attention and needs uh, rethinking. You have to sort of be, be pretty critical to everyone in the company. And that is, is tough sometimes when people you really, you know, that you like or that are personal friends even, or become personal friends. Yeah. If you have to sort of realize maybe you're not the right person at the right spot anymore, that is, uh, is a tough burden because you have to do it, but you don't want to. And it's, it's, you know, it, it, it does sort of set you apart from the rest of the team when you have to start considering hiring somebody else for that position. That's for me, that's, that's, that's a burden. Uh, as you said, it's never easy being a CEO or, you, you know, and, you know, skating a company. How do you stay sane, you know, in the, in this journey, right? It's going to be seven years, 10 years, you know, it could be a hundred years. Uh, what, what strategies do you employ to keep, you, you know, Chris Hall sane and just keep going? Yeah. Well, ask me in a couple of years. I don't know if I, <laughs> um, uh, well, I read this, this, this article about, and there's also a book about it. CEOs are, you know, they have a high tendency to, to be uh, psychopaths or the psychopath, uh, like tendencies to that in, in, a, in a positive way. It's like um, if somebody drowns, you know, a lot of people just panic and freeze and the, the psychopaths actually, they act, they, they turn that, that sort of that sense off. Um, of, of perceived risk or anything. And, and I think it, I honestly do not feel that risk. I don't lay up, you know, I, I, that doesn't affect me. I'm not worried about, Ooh, what if it goes wrong or because it can always go wrong. It's about sort of, it, it's always something that can go wrong. It's not about, you know, mistakes. It's about how quickly you can fix them. That really doesn't affect me. Otherwise that would drive you nuts because it is, uh, you know, we're taking big risks and there's, there's a lot of uncertainties and we're trying to, uh, try and move quickly. And I sort of focus on the, the things I can impact and, and I really don't spend time or energy worrying about stuff I can't impact anyway. And, or stuff that has happened, you know, it, it is going to happen, you know, stuff does go wrong and then, yeah, just work on fixing it. There's no use really getting upset with, with things that go wrong or getting worried about that. Maybe I'm lucky enough that that doesn't affect me. The things that do keep me sane is sort of every now and then stepping out and realizing and sort of enjoying the success as well and realizing this is a pretty unique position at any stage. And I want to be able to look back at it that I also enjoyed it, right? It's, it's, it is an amazing adventure and, and, and it's good to sort of step, step out and, and talk to other people and realize, yeah, it, you know, we sure we have our own, you know, we all have our challenges, but a lot of stuff is going really well. You know, small stuff like uh, uh, we did the unlimited uh, holidays and the, the remote week that got a lot of press attention. That's sort of fun. It's 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 cool to see some acknowledgement. Yeah, we, we are doing a lot of uh, good things. And like you said, you know, when people come in the office and they they have that sort of sense of vibe, that is uh, that's a big accomplishment, I think. And and I try to enjoy that as well, and not and not just worry about the the, the stuff that's going wrong, but also every now enjoying the the successes yeah definitely i mean i i saw this identity you know coming into the office and just the people there was like, it just really fit nicely with you know binder as uh, the, the company and the product so uh definitely doing something uh, right there do you, do you remember the name of the uh, the book uh, the, the psychopath ceo uh, book uh, uh no no i just just go, yeah maybe that's another psychopath thing that my memory isn't that good but, no, uh, no worries if, if uh, you do, just if, go, there's there's different theories about it, but it's just okay. an interesting uh interesting take it, it, it 
it's a weird job, I guess. And it, and it does feel a little bit, uh, strange every now and then, but it's, you know, I have, I have kids at home, so it's always good to sort of, I, I wear sweatpants and sort of, I'm just a regular guy at home. And that's nice as well, that it's nice to stay grounded like that. And, and, and most of the people here in the office are, yeah, I'd say the majority is, I see those as friends as well. We hang out, you know, go out at the end of the week and have a couple of beers or sort of, and makes you feel a little bit more human again every now and then. What, what, what about, you, you, you mentioned having kids and a family. What about work-life balance? You're running this 300-person you know, global organization. How do you make time for, uh, for family? Uh, um, yeah, that, that's really difficult. And I think the only way to really, to really solve that is, is at least when I'm at home, I really, it's, it's not about quantity of time. It's about the quality. And, and I tend to sort of skip on other stuff and, and make sure that when I'm around that I'm actually spending time and, and attention. It's more about the attention rather than anything else. Yeah. But to be honest, and maybe others realize that as well, that it almost sounds like an excuse because you do want to be, your, your mind is always on the business. Yeah. Is, you know, I, I, I go to bed with it and I get up with it again. It's, it's, it's 24 seven. So it's kind of an excuse. It's, it's also a hobby, right? It's, it's always on my mind. It's always, and that's the fun part. So I don't really see that as a burden and I don't want to use that as an excuse, but I think a lot of secretly, I don't know, you're not supposed to say this, but maybe the business does actually come first in a lot of, you don't want that and it shouldn't be that way, but I, I'm, maybe I'm pretty self, selfish that like I, I do enjoy it. So it's not, I, it's not that I have to do it all the time. Yeah. I do enjoy it. Um, f- final question. Uh, we understand that, that you've got to bind a tattoo when, uh, <laughs> when, when you raise that, that 20 million round with the uh, Insight Venture Partner. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you did that um, and will you be getting another tattoo if you, uh, you raise your next round uh, and would you recommend other founders to have tattoos of their company logos? Well, that's a little bit suggestive. I'm not saying we're doing another round, but uh, <laughs> maybe the ticker symbol. If we go, if we go public, I'll put the ticker symbol. Uh, no, I think uh, it, was, it was just something fun. I'm not, I'm not a tattoo guy. It was my first tattoo and it, it was just sort of uh, marking that event of fun thing to do, um, just before we signed the round, I, I got it done. And then I revealed it during uh, when we announced the round as well as for one more thing. It was just kind of fun. And, and, and for me personally, it's, you know, just to mark that, that, that event that is, it, you know, it's been a, a great ride. And also to sort of look back, that is a big achievement. No matter what happens, it's, it's been a hell of a ride. So it's, it's sort of just a, sort of a reminder every time like, Oh yeah, yeah. It's, you know, we're, we're doing good. If it all goes belly up then uh i can change it into a heart and add my kids names there you go there you go <laughs> and i have another um, arm full of you know i have enough room for more uh startups in the future so it's fine good 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 stuff well chris like, i've really enjoyed this uh conversation with you today uh really appreciate uh, appreciate you taking the time and kind of sharing your your learnings about being a ceo of a, a skating SaaS company um so yeah thank you very much for being part of the uh, the, the SaaS revolution show likewise Alex. thanks a lot and uh, see you soon I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show with Chris Hall, the CEO of Binder, and have soaked in some of the lessons he's learned on the way, especially the one about remembering to enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening and for your continued support. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It makes a huge difference and means the world to me. See you next time. <laughs>